Bless all of you. I feel like something's wrong up here. There's no instruments, and I got all this room, and so everybody on our staff, for the most part, is already gone, so that's what's going on. So if you happen to call the office tomorrow, and I answer, don't freak out, okay? I'm, I'm just going to tell you, don't ask me a lot of questions, because I'm going to tell you, call back Monday. I don't have a clue. So bless all of you. So glad to hear, have you here. If you guess, we welcome you here. Uh, if you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand? Get your hand up real high. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians 6. Uh, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings as we're going there to 1 Corinthians 6. Let me recap some of the videos. Again, there's a water baptism coming on after the second service on Sunday the 20th. Next Wednesday night, uh, not only in here but in our youth and even some of our children, we're going to teach on water baptism. I, I believe it, it'll, it'll give you some great insight. You may say... I've already been water baptized. Well, still come. I believe it'll be very informative through the scriptures that'll help you. And so we welcome that. And then again, there is a, a mission trip that's coming up. I encourage you to go down there sometimes to, to Juarez. It's safe, okay? You'll be all right. God will take care of you. And then again, you're not too late to, regi- or to go to the women's retreat. You've got to register on site. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, a couple Sundays ago, I was on this on a Sunday morning. There were some things that really stuck out to me uh, pertaining even to offering. And so, begin with me in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you have from God? Now, that ought to give some of us a little biblical insight right there. The Holy Spirit is from God, okay? That's a good thing for you to understand that. The Holy Spirit is from God. And you are not your own. You don't belong to you. Now, literally what he's telling us here is once I give my heart to Jesus, Jesus becomes Lord of my life. Look at verse 20. For you are bought at a price, a huge price, the blood of Jesus. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so what's going on here? The the Apostle Paul, he's emphasizing the believer's stewardship over his body. Now, what you begin to see here is the question, do I belong to God? Now, if you're born again to answer that correctly, or that to answer that question correctly, you would say, I'm born again. So God is is the owner of me. I'm under God's ownership now. So the area of stewardship, and one of the best areas of the word stewardship when it pertains to finances is learning to live within your means. Something foreign to our culture right now. Something foreign to our government. Some of you say, really? Well, yeah, it's had a couple trillion dollars. And so again, he he tries to give us insight here on on how to be a good steward. Now, when I say that, to be a good steward, that sounds simple. But that's not easy. And it's not natural. And so I've got to begin to look at what the Word of God says. So think about this. If I'm not my own anymore once I get born again, 
What about my stuff? What about my possessions? So are those gods too? They are gods. And God says, I'm going to give you these things for you to be a steward over them. And what I found out, and this is in the parable of of the sower there in in, uh, Matthew 25, that when I'm faithful in the little things, only then do I get promoted to more things. And I believe this is in the area of giving too. And so you got to ask yourself, what type of steward am I? Am I I a good steward or I'm a bad one? And you know, the bottom line is the best way to begin to change that is start learning what the scriptures say and then apply it. And you can watch what God will do. God will move, okay? Thank you, Ernest, for that amen. You can come up here in the front row. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you. We thank you. Woo, you thank you that we were bought with a huge price. And Father God, that we're honored to say we're not our own, that you're, you're our heavenly Father. And Lord, I ask your grace to come upon every one of us, even there, in the, to be a steward, to be good stewards, to live within our means, and that your grace is and help us in this area. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As our ushers are receiving that, the usher right here on this far wall, this is Ernest. He's hosting Saturday morning at 9, the men's breakfast. I invite all you men to come to that. You're welcome to come. Honored they have a great morning uh, study and they pray, fellowship. So that is uh, Saturday morning at 9. And then again, Sunday morning, we're still on, on the series on wilderness. So I welcome you out to that. It'll be outstanding because the Word of God's always outstanding. Go with me to the book of John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And... We've been talking on the area of faith, and so faith is a byproduct of the Word of God. You got into get, you've got to get into the Word to get, to get faith. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But when we talk about the word faith, faith must come to a place of understanding that God created something out of nothing. He did? Yeah. And God said. And God said. Let there be light, and there was light. So if you went back to Genesis chapter 1, you would find out on at least 10 occasions, and God said. And so again, that's what begins to happen with us, that we begin to get a hold of the Word, and we start saying about ourselves what the Word of God says. Now, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12 says that God watches over His Word to perform it. That God watches over his word. That God is ready to perform it. So if God's watching over his word to perform it, what's God looking for? One, people that know the word of God. Uh, The prophet Hosea said in in Hosea 2, 4, he said, My people perish for lack of knowledge. The only way you're going to get knowledge is you've got to get in the word. But if God's watching over the word to perform it, He's looking over people that begin to understand the Word of God, but they also, they do the Word of God. James 1.22 says that God desires us to not only be hearers of the Word, but to be doers of the Word. So again, when you begin to, to see the heart of God, God watches over His Word to perform it. God begins to look and He looks and says, this one's doing my Word. And so I highlight this that i got to get into the Word. And when I get into the Word, God will get into me. And listen, it's never too late to change. You know, I didn't have any interest in the Word of God until I became almost 20 years old. 
this may be similar to you, but growing up, I really didn't like to read. I didn't have a desire to read anything. And then I, I fell in love with this book. And probably 95% of the things I read is the Bible flat out, or it's books that are based on Scripture and the Bible. And so what happened is, is I begin to create an appetite for the Word of God. And I encourage you on a daily basis, get in the Word. It's good to read the Proverbs. 31 chapters, read one of them a day. Get in there and begin to read some of the stuff in the, the Old Testament. Find you a good translation that you can understand it. Not King James, the these and the nows. And that. Get into something you can understand. You want insight? The Amplified's incredible. The message incredible. I'm reading right now in the Proverbs, one called the Tree of Life version. And, and then begin to get into the New Testament. We have to do this every day? No. You get to. You get to. Now, I'm going to show you some things biblically this, this evening, the significance of the Word of God, because in our life, you're going to experience disappointment when you deviate from the Word of God. The more I deviate and get away from the Word of God, the more I find disappointment in this thing called life. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word... And the word was with God, and the word was God. So I, I cannot separate God from the word of God or from the Bible. The word was with God, and the word was God. And so the word of God is an expression of God. So better stated this way. You get God, you get the word. You get the word, you get God. They go hand in hand. So if you want to learn more about God, get into the Word. Begin to study the Word of God here. And so at times I've had people say this, I know what the Word says, but, but you never know what God's going to do. Wrong. I can tell you what God's going to do. He's going to do precisely what His Word says He's going to do. And so when I look at the Lord Jesus' life, what Jesus taught and what Jesus did are tied inseparably to who he is. And so that's God's desire for every one of us. That my life, your life, it's highlighted by the word of God. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. And I'm going to give you a little nuggets here. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Matthew 24, verse number 35. Just one little verse here. Heaven and earth... Will pass away. They'll wear out. They're going to be done. Okay? That day's going to happen. Let me just throw this in here for you. And that's not going to happen because of global warming. This is a thing that, again, it's saying to me that Father God, He didn't plan this world right. I don't know if your age is my or close to much. I remember in the the 70s and 80s when they said, we're going to run out of oil. There's not going to be enough. One of the greatest scientists in all the earth at that time, he said, by the year 2000, there will not be a drop of oil left on this earth. And you know what it did? It caused panic. People were freaking out. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? But here it is, 2019, and we still got an abundance. Don't freak out on those things. Those things are to cause fear. And if, 
If you believe that stuff, man, get in the Bible. Look what the Word of God says, okay? Again, that, that's not what this scripture's saying, but that's kind of my paraphrased edition. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. The New International Version says they will never pass away. The message says my words won't ever wear out. And so when you see the word words right there, that, that they will by no means pass away. The word that he's talking about is the divine revelation and the divine promises or the instruction of the word of God. You know what this tells me? Man, it's, it's good until this, this thing ends. It's good. God's word is not going to change. And that's what I love the word of God. That 38 years since I've been born again, I look at it and the word still says the same thing. God's still the same God. Now turn with me into the Old Testament to the book of Numbers chapter 23. Numbers 23, uh, you'll go Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then Numbers chapter 23. Numbers 23. Now, as you're turning to Numbers 23, let me highlight what's taking place here, just to paraphrase it for you. There's a real ungodly king named Balak. Balak was a king of a group of people called the Moabites or Moab. Uh, one of the great people that came out of the descendants of Moab was a, na- a woman named Ruth. But if you were to look at the land of Moab, right now that is east of the Dead Sea, which is modern-day Jordan. Now, this king was an ungodly king, and he did not like what Israel was doing. So he, desired, or he decides to hire this pagan prophet named Balaam. And what he wants Balaam to do, he wants Balaam to curse the Israelites. And so... Balaam tries and he tries, but he can't do it. Now, listen to this guy's words starting in Numbers 23, verse 16. Then the Lord met Balaam, and he put a word in his mouth, and he said, Go back to Balak, and thus you shall speak. So he came to him, and there he was standing by his burnt offering, and the princes of Moab were with him. And Balak said to them, What has the Lord spoken? Then he took up his oracle and he said, rise up, Balak, and hear, listen to me, son of Zippor. Now watch this. You got to get this, okay? God is not a man that he should lie. God won't lie. The New Living Translation says he does not lie. Some transcripts of this come out and says that our God is incapable of lying. So if he can't lie, what does he do? He tells the truth. So he said, God's not a man that he should lie. Nor a son of man, not a human, that he should repent or change his mind. Has God said and will he not do? Has he ever ever spoken and failed to act? And listen to the last part. Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? And so when you look at all this, would he say and not do? Would he speak and not confirm? So what begins to happen to us as human beings? Human beings, we say one thing and then we do another thing. 
How many of you have ever had someone tell you they'd do one thing and they did another thing? Every one of us. How many of you have ever done that? You told someone you'd do something and then you didn't do it. And so what happens is we uh, have these experiences with other human beings and this tries to taint our image of God. We have the thought that this is because human nature is, so that's what God's nature is. That's not what God's nature is. And the reason I'm reading these steps to you, or these three passages in the order we did, I want you to see God's word's not going to change. God can't lie. God is a God of truth. And so we have this thought here. I wonder what God's will in this situation is. Well, what does God's word say? Because God and God's word are one. And I've had people again say, I know what the word says, but this is what happened to me. Well, let me highlight this. I can't exalt my experiences over the Word of God. My experiences in life don't change God's Word. Really. Now, we sing a song, He's the God of Miracles. And the guy who wrote that song, he had a young child, a young boy that was born. And he he was only a few months old. And the doctors came in and they started saying, he's not going to make it. Your newborn son's not going to make it. So they said, we believe in the God of miracles. And they were trusting God and they were praying. And guess what happened? The little boy died. And some people will say, well, you said he's the God of miracles. And I never forget this man and his woman, his, the, the wife. I saw the interview, and you know what they said? We've believed and we've trusted God all our lives. And just because this didn't happen the way we desired for it, doesn't mean God's not the God of miracles. And you know what it did? It, it blessed me. It blessed my heart. And I wish I could stand here and tell you why things happen. I can't. But that doesn't diminish God's word, okay? And that's why I got to stay with the word, and I stay with the word. It doesn't change. God cannot lie. Now go with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1. And again, I tell you, you're never too late to to fall in love with the word of God. I I believe it should be part of our prayer to say, man, Father God. I welcome the word. And one of the things I ask you to do is when you read the word, say, Lord, open the eyes of my understanding. Help me to dissect the word of God. And I love when I read the word of God because the word of God to me is like a mirror. And I like to look at it and say, that's me right there. That's me. When I read stuff in the Bible and it it scolds me, I can look and I say, that's me. That's an area of my life that I ask you, Lord, to grace me to do that, to be, be that person that you desire me to be in the word of God. That's what I love about the Bible. First Peter chapter number one, we're way back there in the back, verse 22. Since you have purified or cleansed your souls in obeying the truth. Now, I want you to listen to what he says there. How do you purify your heart or your soul? 
you obey the truth. I got to know the truth in order to obey the truth. And the only way I, I obey, I got to get in the Word. I got to start seeing what the Word of God says to me. And that's God's desire for every one of us. He wants you to get in the Word. But again, it comes to a place, I got to obey the truth. It's one thing to hear the Word, and it's another thing to obey the Word. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervent with a pure heart. Having been born again. Now, I remember years and years ago when people said to me, you need to get born again. It was very similar to what, what the Lord Jesus said to a man named Nicodemus in John 3. When he said, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, well, how can I enter my mother's womb the second time? Well, that's not how I get born again. How do I get born again? Well, keep reading right here. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed or perishable seed, but incorruptible or imperishable through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Woo. The living and lasting word of God. So how did I get born again? You can't get born again without hearing the word of God. And so I begin to hear the word of God. I remember when they said to me, how you get born again. You go before the Lord and you confess your sin and you ask Jesus to come into your heart. And, and, and all that is found in Romans 10, 9 and 10. That's where it's at. But I must obey the word of God. And so if you're born again in here tonight, you've obeyed the word of God. And it's interesting that he said to me that the word of God is lasting. It's abiding again. It's not going to change. So let me ask you something. Do you base your born again experience on your feelings? Man, there's days I wake up and I don't feel like I'm born again. And so I can't base that on how I feel. So what do I base it on? The word of God that never changes. It never changes. And so I hold fast to that. And it brings comfort. I'm, I'm born again. I'm born again. I, I know when I check out of this place called earth, I know where I'm going to spend eternity at. Why? Because I obeyed the scriptures. Keep reading. Because all flesh is a grass. So what he's talking about here is mankind. All mankind is like grass. And all the glory or beauty of the man as the flower of the grass. Better stated there, everything in life, people, our accomplishment, our possessions. And he says, we're the flower of grass, but the grass withers. The grass fades away. So let me tell you something. There's going to be a day. that You're not going to be part of this, this earth anymore if Jesus doesn't come back. You won't be here your possessions won't be here. Your accomplishments won't be here. It's going to go away. But look what he says here. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, if I truly believe the word of God, you know what this tells me? If the word of God abides forever, I better hang on to the word of God. I better grasp on to the word of God 
And what's interesting there, that statement about the word of God, it talks about the spoken word. But you know where this thing cross-references it? It goes back to the very first scripture I read, John 1.1. It ties it back into that. And so he goes on to say, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. The divine instruction, the good news, it's permanent. Here's what's interesting about this. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. You know where that takes us to? It takes us to Matthew 4.4 which says, Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So when I look at that word, man doesn't live by bread alone. Every one of us in here, there's certain things that we have an acquired appetite for. You know, in my own life, uh, I, I like vegetables. Some people say, I don't like vegetables. I like cinnamon roll. How many of you, when you were one year old, did you drink coffee? There may be a couple of you. Maybe that's in your, there's one. Not many of us. So guess why I'm saying that? That becomes an acquired taste, coffee does. How many of you right now, you really enjoy coffee? (laughs) I really enjoy coffee. But I didn't have that as a child. And, And so again, we acquire that taste. We begin to get an appetite for that. How many of you uh, like tea, that sweet tea? See, I hate sweet tea. I love tea, but I like it bitter and nothing in it. Where it comes out of that and punch, that's an acquired taste. So why am I highlighting that over and over again? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what would begin to happen if I started saying, oh, Father God, I, I, I crave the word of God. I crave the word of God. Now, some of you, you crave Starbucks, four bucks. You crave it. I mean, right now, if I asked you, what, what would you order at Starbucks? You would roll out a, a, a skinny vanilla latte, a, a brevet, a, a caramel macchiata. So now, I'm painting pictures. I would do anything for a skinny vanilla latte. I'd do anything. I, I'd go out of my way. And so, again, just think about what we're saying there. Oh, man, I'll drive 10 miles out of the way. I had a guy say this. I'm going to go 10 miles out of the way to eat at an In-N-Out burger. That, yeah, see, see. And so what I'm doing here is I'm highlighting the things we do in the natural, the things we do with our flesh to accommodate that, to say, I, but again, let me ask you something. Do you do that with the word of God? Do you get up and say, man, I, I, I got to have a dose of the Word of God today. I, I got to get into the Word of God today. I, I, I live and breathe the Word of God. I, I, I fall in love with the Word of God. One last scripture. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And so the reason I'm highlighting all this is because I, I got to get to that place where the Word of God, it doesn't change, but it can change me. I'm born again. Why? I'm a product of the word of God. 
I've been set free. You know why I've been set free? John 8, 32 says the truth. You know the truth and the truth will set you free. The reason I'm free, I'm not a drunk, I'm not an alcoholic, is because of the Word of God, that you can stand on the Word. And I stood, and and again, some people would say, well, did you get set free the first day? No, it took almost four years. So the Word was wrong, it wasn't, no, the Word was good. It proved faithful. But man, I had to start taking heavy doses of the Word of God. Woo, I started shoving the Word in and shoving the Word again. Tell you, this, this is how, look, man, I, I, I became so hungry for the word and to watch God move in my mouth, in my life, that I would write three by five cards. I had them, I had them taped on windows. I, I had them taped on the dash of my car. I, I had them taped onto the bathroom mirror. Almost everywhere I'd look, I would see it. I'll, I'll tell you the scripture, first, uh, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. It says, he delivered me out of the power of darkness. That's the word of God. He delivered me out of the power of darkness. The Lord Jesus delivered me out of Well, the darkness in my life was alcohol. So when I would read that, I'd say, I thank you, Lord Jesus. You've delivered me out of the power of alcohol. And that has no dominion over me. And, and I would start taking double doses of the word of God. I'd say it and I'd say it. And then when I'd go out and get drunk, the word didn't work. No, the word was working. The word was working. You stay with the word. I'd speak the word. I'd speak the word. And before long, I begin to see more fruit, more fruit, more fruit in my life. What do you mean by fruit? Guys, I, I was used to drinking every day. And before long, it was once every two or three days. And before long, it went to a month. And before long, I realized, man, I've gone a year without a drink. And woo, here we are, 33 years later. And It's a product of the Word of God. Some of you say, you're crazy. I am. I'm crazy with the Word of God. I love the Word of God. Why is it such a big deal? Oh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Let me get there. Somewhere in here. For all the promises of God, for all the promises of God in Him, in Jesus are yes and in him amen. Now the word amen means so be it. All the promises of God. Not a few of them, not the major one, not the minor, but all the promises of God in him, in the Lord Jesus, are so be it to the glory of God through it. Now, here's the deal. If you're born again, if Jesus is Lord of your life, every promise that you can find in the Bible, so be it. Yes, and so be it. So what you got to do? Well, I like to say this book is a book of buried treasure. Sometimes you got to dig. You dig and you begin to find scripture. And, and you begin to stand on that word. And you continue to stand and you hold on to it. And guess what happens? There's a thing called faith. The word faith means to believe. The word believe literally means to trust. The word trust means it's true. When you combine all that together, it's trustworthy or our God is worthy of trust. Maybe I ought to say that again. It's pretty fast. The word faith means to believe. The word believe means trust. I can trust the word of God. It's it's never going to change. Our God doesn't lie. 
the word trust then moves to the word it's true. It's forever settled in heaven. And so when you put all that together, God is trustworthy. He's worthy of my trust. And so I begin to say, this, this is what the Bible says. And i got to believe the word. I come to a place where I believe the word. And I'm either going to believe it or I'm going to doubt it. But you can't live in this area called double-minded. What do I mean by double-minded? You vacillate. Your allegiance one day is to God and the next day it's to my feelings. No, the double-minded man, it says in James, don't think you'll receive anything. And so how do I get rid of that double-minded? And I continually put the word of God in me day by day. Day by day, day by day, day by day. Now, let me tell you what I began to do. In the year of about 2002 or 2003, I I began to to go to, I went to a school about the power of the tongue in incredible ways. And they didn't call it confessing the word of God or speaking the word of God. They used the word affirmations, which is short for you must start affirming the word. Affirm the word, affirm the word. And so the guy who was teaching this class, he was an older gentleman, and he really didn't know the things of God, but he understood the power of your words. His wife had cancer. They said, she's got this long and she's going to be dead. And you know what he said? I don't believe that. I don't believe that. So you know what he does? He takes her home. He gets his two daughters in there and he says, Don't you ever go into that room and speak anything about death, anything that's negative. If you go in there, all I want you to do is speak to your mother about her future and her living and her seeing your grandkids and and them growing up with her. And he put a sign outside her door and said, If you go in there and you say anything negative, I'm going to tell you, get out. And he specifically said, I had family members that came over and they'd look and they'd say, oh, you're on the verge of dying. And he'd say, out. He'd move them out. He knew the power. 20 years after that, she's still alive. She's still alive. And so he said, on a daily basis, you've you've got to start affirming the word. You've got to start saying the word, what it says about you. And so I encourage you. Get three by five cards, and it may start out an affirmation of the Word of God that you may have one, you may have two, you may have three, you may have five. But I gotta say, man, you get those and you march and you read them, and guess what will happen? Something will drop on the inside, and you'll begin to quote them. It'll roll out of you. For me to do that right now, and I'm not saying listen to me, listen to me higher. I'm not saying that. It takes me 40 minutes now. And man, I walk, I walk. I mean, I, I could rattle right now. Just how they'll flow out of me. Woo! He's blessed me as righteous. His favor surrounds me like a shield. I thank you, Lord. You, you bless me. You multiply. You make my name great. You've blessed me to be a blessing. I ask you today, Lord, bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Your hand is upon me. You keep me from evil and I cause no pain. You've crowned my year with your goodness. My past drip with your abundance. Daily I'm loaded with your benefits. I mean, these things will just roll. They'll roll. And that's all scripture. That was Psalm 65, 13. And Psalm 69, Genesis 12, 2. Every bit of it is the word of God, what I'm going to speak. And so again... I begin to find the power of the word. It's alive. It's alive. I got to make it alive. And you guys got to stand up or we're going to all get in trouble. Again, I want you to see the significance of the word of God. 
Woo! All the promises of God are yea and amen yet to you. So, man, I got to get a hold of the Word of God. But, but, Pastor, this is the situation. Well, you know what the situation is? The situation's a mountain. What did he say in Mark eleven twenty three? 23? Speak to the mountain. And you shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed and be cast in the sea, and not doubt in your heart, but believe those things you say. You'll have whatever you say. Why don't you bow your head? Father God, we love you today. We honor you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you tonight, Father God, that grace us in this house right now. Grace everyone under my voice, Lord, that we have an appetite for the word of God. And, oh, Lord, I pray your blessings in here right now. The God of promise. Bless, bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebeck.com.